John chapter 5, it was read in your hearing, verses 22 through 24. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. John chapter 5, we've been dealing with the fact that uh, the, the sole purpose of the gospel or the book of the gospel of John is that John writes this book so that we might know that Jesus is the Son of God. Somebody asked you, what? why did John write the book? There's your answer, that Jesus is the Son of God. Amen? So uh, if, if that's the case, then what has John been doing in chapter 5 is that Jesus answers as a response to his healing of the man at that pool there. They question Jesus' authority. They wanted to know what, what gave him the right to do that, especially on the Sabbath day. They said, why are you doing these works? And Jesus lets them know, in verse 18, we find out that this is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was, he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. For the Jewish people, for the Jewish nation, that was blasphemy, that they would even ask, that someone would even equate themselves equal to God. That would be the same thing today, even in our world and even in our culture, that if someone was to say that Jesus, that they were equal to God, we would consider that blasphemy as well. I don't know if anybody in their right mind would, well, I can't say that because people say a lot of things today, but you would think that somebody, if somebody was to say that they are equal to God today, that there would be something wrong with them. In most of the, a lot of the, the books I've been reading and a lot of the commentaries I've been, been going through, one of, the, one of the prevailing thoughts is this. That either Jesus is who he says he is, or he's a liar and a lunatic. You can only pick one or the other. Either we're going to believe that what Jesus says about himself is actually true, or everything that he says about himself and everything that anybody else says about him is a lie and a truth, and that he was a madman and a lunatic and out of his right mind. That's why John writes this book to say, well, by the way, this is how I know, this is how we can know that Jesus is the Son of God. In verses 19 through 20, we, we talked about Jesus equal to God in his works, because we find out both the Father and the Son work the same. The works that I do, I do of the Father. So all the things that Jesus did, the Father did also. So the things that were make, make up what Jesus was doing on this earth lets us know that he is equal to God in his works. In verse, verse 21, he says he's equal to God in his power and his sovereignty. We talked about last week the fact that Jesus is life, not just physical life, but also life eternal. The fact that, as we're going to get to later on in the book, the fact that Jesus could actually raise somebody who was physically dead, no Visible sign of life. Zero. Not it. They just lied there. It was as if, I talked about last week, it was as if 
Jesus could go out to Sugar Grove Cemetery, which is right across a couple hills over here, and go to a grave, no matter who it was, and speak to that grave and say, come forth, whoever that person might be, and though they be dead not too long or for, or for years, that that person could, would and actually get up out of the grave at the command and the voice of Jesus. That, that, that lets us know that Jesus, Jesus is equal to God in his power and sovereignty. You have a New Testament example of that? Because what happened? Jesus actually spoke to Lazarus, who had been dead for, had been dead for a little while. Jesus goes to the, to the mouth of the tomb, and what Jesus simply says when he gets there, he just says, Lazarus, come forth. And what happens? Though they had bound him and tied him up and made him ready for burial, they had to unwrap him. Because he literally got up out of the grave. That's a physical manifestation. But Jesus just isn't concerned about our physical life. He's also concerned about our spiritual life. In me you have life, and you have life more abundant. What does that mean? Not just physical life, but spiritual life. That is man's greatest need. That is your and my greatest need in our life is to be spiritually alive in Christ. And once we get that, guess what? We're a whole new person. We see life from a whole new point of view. Jesus lets us know that he's equal to God in power and in sovereignty. There is no one like him. There never has been or never will be anybody like Jesus, maybe you need to go back, and maybe I need to go back to that day and time when Jesus spoke life into us spiritually. Can you remember that Sunday or that Wednesday or that Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever, Saturday, whatever day it was that you came to a point in your life that you understood a couple of truths? That number one, you were unsaved. And the fact that you were unsaved meant what? That you were an enemy to God. You opposed God. You said, well, I never did that. You didn't have to. You're born in sin and shaped in iniquity. The fact that we are born in sinners automatically makes us an enemy of God. You don't have to do anything. You already are. But once you understand that God and sin cannot coexist, once you understand God's holiness also demands his righteousness and his holiness and his judgment and all that that we're going to talk about in the next few moments. Once you understand that, you say, you know, my need is not for more money. My need is not for drugs. My need is not for alcohol. My need is not for sex. My need is not whatever it might be, a bigger house, a bigger car, a better education. That's not your greatest need. Your greatest and my greatest need is Christ in my life. For once he becomes part of my life, all those other things become secondary. But my greatest need and your greatest need is to know Christ and to know him in the free pardon of our sin, that he forgives us, he cleanses us, he makes us whole, and now because what he did on the cross, because he paid the sin debt, we owed a debt to God that we could not pay. Jesus, in the few weeks we're going to talk about, we're going to celebrate his resurrection that is it. That is the epitome. That is, the, that is the, the, the key day, should be the key day in everybody's life. That we celebrate that just one day, but the fact that he got up out of the grave is the best thing that happened in history 
for mankind. I was young enough to remember when they had the moonwalk. One step for man, one giant leap for mankind. I remember that day. I was watching it on TV. I showed you how old I am. And we all sat, well, not we all, but some of us sat and watched and said, wow, there he is on the moon. And you heard, hello, hello, Houston, this is there. All right, uh, you saw him step by step coming down, all the play-by-play that was going on. And eventually, he stepped on the moon. And I always look at those photographs when they show the space shuttle and stuff of Earth out there in the blackness of space, just sitting there. It's a beautiful planet. I mean, I look at that and I go, now who could do that? Nobody but God. Now, I know some people say, I don't, he was in Arizona somewhere. It was in a, it was in a movie studio and all that stuff. Whether it is or the fact that if he did, it, you know, I believe he did. You know, okay, I take it for what it is. But whether you believe or not, the fact is God is sovereign. God is holy. God is in control. So number one, Jesus is equal to God in his works. Jesus is equal to God in his power and sovereignty. And what we find out in verse 22 is that Jesus is equal to God in judgment. So how do you know that? Well, let's just read what the text says. The Father judges no one, but has given judgment to the Son. So really, the Father has delegated judgment to Christ. Any judgment that goes on is going to be, has been given to, to Jesus Christ. Not that the Father never has judged, because the Old Testament talks about the judgment of God all the way through. But in this case, God the Father says to the Son, by the way, and they're really they're, they're saying they're, they're co-equal and co-eternal. So really, even though the Father says to the Son, I give this to you, they really work together. The Son will never make a judgment that goes against the Father. The Father will never make a judgment that goes to the Son because they work together as one. And Jesus, the Father, says, by the way, I have given judgment to my son. I have given authority to my son. Unlike the courts that we go to, unlike the police officers that we have to deal with that writes tickets for us, guess what? We never have to worry about the judgment of God not being right. You can go to court. You could be given a speeding ticket, and you think to yourself, self I really wasn't going that fast. I think he made a mistake. Now, you have the option. The officer will tell you, I got a speedy ticket. The only one I've ever had that I ever had, I know that's not really true. I just did that. I could get one tomorrow. Who knows? And not because I knocked on wood, but because it's just the way it works out. I got one coming out of the city of Atlanta many years ago. I saw this Jeep Cherokee. I was with the Dixons at the time. We had a great time in Atlanta. We were there, and I came out, and I saw this Jeep Cherokee, and he was zipping along. It was early in the morning, and I said to myself, self, I'll follow the Jeep. He's going faster than I am, and we got to get back to Ohio. I get on the interstate, 75. We're rolling along, and all of a sudden, I hear, boop, boop. I look up, and the blue light was on me, and I said, oh, my God, I'm going to get a ticket. So I pull over, and the gentleman says, uh, sir, do you realize you were speeding a little bit? Now, I could have said, well, I was following the Jeep Cherokee. He was already gone. I mean, he's just, he, I was the one they caught. I got a nice, hefty ticket. I won't tell you how much it was, but it was three digits in the hundreds. 
I said, oh. he said, no, sir, you can come back and contest this if you want to. Or you can just send a check for money order or money order or certified back to Macon County, Georgia, to the court. I wasn't going back, so I paid the ticket. But if I would have went back, would I have received justice? I don't know. I was guilty. I, I can't admit I wasn't. But with God. Oh, with God. Whatever he, his judgment is will always be right. I heard somebody say something the other day about God's judgment. They were saying, you know what? Every single person in this world will understand one thing when we all stand before God. That whatever the judgment of God is, nobody is going to be able to say that's not right and that's not fair. We might do it with one another. We might do it about our circumstances. We might do it in a court of law. But when it comes to God, we won't be able to, when God brings us and we stand before be ye saved or unsaved, no matter what it is, what circumstance may be, when we stand before God and he gives us our, the judgment, guess what? Whatever God says will be right and we'll know it's right because we'll be able to say, we'll be able to say within ourselves, he's right. Because who knows us better than God? Lord, the reason why I didn't do is because he don't want to hear that. He'll, he'll be able to tell you why you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Oh, no, you're not, you can't fool God. And that's what he says here in verse 22. He says, the Father judges no one, but he's given that to Christ. That's good news. He has given all judgment to the Son. Amen? Their wills are in perfect harmony. I wrote down another note here. One of the things I, I wanted to bring out was, do you understand that Jesus' primary reason for coming was not necessarily for judgment, but his primary reason to come was to bring salvation? That's the first purpose. His judgment comes, the judgment will come on his second coming. When Jesus comes back again, not only is he coming back for a church without a spot or wrinkle, but he's also coming back to make judgment on belief, believers and unbelievers. So he's equal to God in judgment. But notice what else he says here. Verse 23. He says in verse 23. That all may honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So they're equal in works. They're equal in power and strength. They're equal in judgment. And they're also equal in honor. If you honor God, you also honor the Son. If you honor the Son, you also honor God. We talked about that in Sunday school. You can't have one without the other. We talked about people saying, I believe in God. All right, got it. But if you're saying you believe in God, you also believe in his son and the Holy Spirit. Because the three are one. You can't diverse God into different. I believe God, but I don't have anything to do with Jesus. Or I believe in Jesus, but I don't have anything to do with God or the Holy Spirit. You can't, and I cannot do that. The three are one. So for everybody that says they believe God, that's all right. But what do you do with Jesus? For if you don't believe in Jesus, you do not believe in the Father. Because you can't do that. I believe God, but I have nothing to do with Jesus. Sorry. Don't work that way. Said, so, but Pastor, how can you say that? I say that based on the word. He just told us. It's what the word says. I don't know how else to tell us. He says, the Father judges no one. Got it. 
that all may honor the Son. Verse all supposed, what does he say? In the end, and when he comes back for judgment, every knee shall what? Bow, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, you can bow now and do right now, or you can bow later. But one thing's going to be for sure. Everybody, whether you believe in Christ or not, you and I ultimately are going to bow the knee to him. He says, every knee. Who are you to say you're not going to bow? Nobody. Or anybody else out there that thinks they're not going to bow. Every knee shall bow. What does he say here in verse 23? He says, that all may honor the Son. You're going to honor him one way or another. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. If you're honoring the Father, you've got to honor the Son. If you honor the Son, you've got to honor the Father. They're the same. Can't have one without the other. Amen? And then he says, whoever does not honor the Son... There it is. If you don't honor the son, you don't honor the... I don't know how else to make it more plainer. Is that plain? You can't do one without the other. So that's why I don't get excited when people say, I believe in God, or I believe God. Great. But the issue is, what have you done with Jesus? So for all of our friends and all of our relatives, I talked to somebody just this past week, and they were trying to talk, and they were saying that, I believe in God. I said, wonderful, but what have you done with Jesus? Do you believe in Christ? Do you believe that Jesus died for your sin, that you're now saved and justified by what he did on the cross, that he died for you, that if you believe in him, your sins have been paid by his blood, and that the belief in what Christ has done on the cross in the finished work that he got up out of the grave is why you can have newness of life, be resurrected, be bought with the price of the blood of Christ, do you believe that? Well, I don't know if I believe all that, but I believe in God. I said, well, then you don't believe. You're not a believer. You can't be. He just told us, honor the Father, honor the Son. Honor the Son, honor the Father. You can't do that. And his rationale was, well, I don't understand. This is what many people get so tripped up about stuff. He said, I, I had something happen to my own personal experience. I said, look, can I help you out with something before you tell me what you're going to say? God about your personal accountability in terms of what happened to you. You think God doesn't care. He said, what do you mean? I said, you're going to tell me about an experience you had that is the reason why you really don't believe in Christ. I said, and your experience never overrides what the Word of God says. See, that's our problem. But pastor, you don't know. My mom was sick. She got cancer. She was the best mom in the world. She, she was a saint. Why would God do that? Can't answer that question. What I can say is, who do we think we are that that should not happen to us? What marks us outside of that? When it happens to somebody else, we're all right. It's just when these things happen to us. And whether you're a Christian or non-Christian, really doesn't make any difference. Why do we say God is sovereign? God is in control. God is able to take our lives and lead and guide and direct the paths of our life. I can't answer why there are starving babies in the United States of America as well as other parts of the world. Can't explain that. Other than God uses those things sometimes for his glory. 
I told the Sunday school class, what, what made us so special that we were born in this part of the world, the United States, with all the blessings and great things that we have at our disposal? What, what was it that we couldn't have been born somewhere else in another part of the world where all this stuff does not exist? Other than God's providence, God's sovereignty, that's just the way the Lord worked it out for our life, that we were born in the United States of America, and we have all these great privileges, we have all these great blessings, we got electricity, we got water, we've got cars, we got clothes, we got grocery stores with every imaginable food that you could ever think of, we've got jobs all over the place, I mean, it's, if people say there's no jobs, well, there are jobs, the fact is, the jobs that are out there, we just don't want to do. I mean, that's what it is. I mean, we got clothes in our closet. How many of us get up on a Sunday morning? I have nothing to wear. Well, it's not that you don't have anything to wear. It's that, that there's so many clothes to choose from, you don't know which one, and I don't know which one to choose from. And we worry about, well, I wore that last week. Well, who cares if you wore it last week? Most people don't notice a lot of things about what we do. So I said, what did you wear last week? I the same thing I got on this week. The majority of people aren't paying that much attention. You got a few people, oh, you wore the same, he's wearing the same suit and tie for the past eight weeks. What's wrong? But the majority of people, they don't notice anything. We put stuff on the bulletin boards. We say stuff on announcements. We put stuff on the wall. We put stuff, and people are like, I don't know. Well, how can you not know? I don't understand. We never talk about it. Well, yeah, we do, but maybe we hear and listen to what we want. I mean, there's a lot of things that, that we do that we, when I equate it to God, I'm like, so wait a minute. You're going to actually tell God that you've not been blessed? No, we've really been blessed. The fact that we don't have, you know, what we think we should have. What do you do when you don't have those options? So God is equal in his judgment. God is equal in honor. Do you, do you and I, do we really want to honor Jesus? How do you honor Jesus? You honor Jesus by living for him. By saying to the Lord, you know what? When I look at what God, through Christ, what Christ has done for me, how can I not live for him? How can, I ask, how can I not ask the Lord to manifest himself in my life in light of what he did for me? Maybe the reason why we don't worship, maybe the reason why we don't praise God as much as we are is that we really don't know what God has done. Or we don't realize to the extent that God went to bring us to his son. I mean, the sacrifice, the love of God, what does that mean? That means that he loved us enough to die for us. Who are you willing to die for? Not think about dying, but who are you willing to die for? And what, and what are you willing to die for? We send our young men to all parts of the various world to defend nations and people that they may not even believe that they, in the cause of what they're doing, but yet they still do it. That's what God wants to us. I remember the song we used to sing, Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And it goes on and talks about what it means to be a soldier. Are you and I willing to be soldiers? we got a couple of men in here who were soldiers. Most of us, a lot of us didn't serve in the military, but there are a couple in here. They will tell you, part of the thing of being a soldier is you don't get to pick and choose what you want to do. I know my dad, I know Brother Dixon and others, Brother Michael and some others, when they were going through some basic camps, there was snow on the ground or rain. The, the, the drill sergeant didn't care that there was mud out in the field, told you to lie down and crawl. He didn't say, oh, by the way, gentlemen, you know, it's raining outside. And because it's raining, we were supposed to go outside and do some drills. But I really don't want you to get wet and muddy. 
it's uncomfortable out there. We're going to stay in today. No, they could care less what you wanted to do. Either the trumpet sounded or somebody came in and just shouted in the middle of the night. They just turned their clocks forward an hour last night. And at 6 o'clock, they didn't care what time you went to bed, at 6 a.m. or 5 a.m. or whatever time they did, they busted the door and said, by the way, man, everybody up, rise and shine, let's go. And guys were doing all this, trying to get ready. Line up outside. They all had to fall in formation. Nobody ain't nobody stupid enough to say, but Sergeant, it's cold outside. I don't know. Do you know what time it is, sir? It's 5 o'clock in the morning. It's still dark. He could, they didn't care less. What is it? We got to have that same mentality that God wants us to serve him. When he gives us our marching orders, we're simply to do it. Not spin our wheels trying to figure out how we can get out of it. Bring honor to him. Honor to the Father. Honor, when you honor one, you and I honor the other. Then he comes back to what he said earlier. Truly, truly. Verily, verily. This is something you put, need to put your hat on. Listen to what I'm about ready. Listen to what I'm about ready to say. Okay? I mean, he said a lot already. He's coming back to another truth. If you haven't heard anything else, listen to what I'm getting ready to tell you. Whoever hears my word. Whoever hears my word. And believes him who sent me has eternal life. You want eternal life? There you go. Whoever, are you and I the part of the whosoever's? Yes, we are. Whoever hears, not just audibly hear with our ear, but hear spiritually what, through the Spirit of God, our minds and heart and body intake. Somebody hears my voice, but are you really hearing the voice of God? Not my voice, because I'm not God. But do you hear the spiritual intents of the words that are coming, not just from my voice, but from the written page? He says, whoever hears my word and, connected, believes him who sent me. Believe him. Believe who? Believe Jesus. Pretty simple. you got to hear the word. For all the people that think that not coming to church is an important part of, of spiritual growth, you missed the mark. You missed the point. You cannot believe without the hearing of the word, without the preaching. Of, it took the foolishness of preaching. Let me tell you something about preaching. It is the only means by which God communicates his truth. God takes a sinner, a man, to stand before his people, to tell his people God's word. The thing that stands between you, the thing that stands between me, and death and hell is the preaching of the word. It's the power of the word. It's not the power of the preacher. It's the power of the word. And that's why Paul could say it took the foolishness. There's nowhere else you could go and put yourself under this under this subjection other than in a church. And a lot of churches are doing away with preaching. 
They're doing away with the pulpits. They're doing away with all this stuff. And everybody just comes together, and we have a great kumbaya moment. We all sing great things, and we all feel good, and we drink our coffee, and we have our little croissants and our little whatever, and everybody's happy hunky-dory. We all feel good, and we go home going, man, it was just great in church. And if you were asking anybody what, what the guy actually preached on, they couldn't tell you because he didn't really preach. Do you know? That God has positive things he wants to do in your life. Do you understand that God has your best future ahead? Do you understand? I know we go through things, but God is a loving God. He would never do anything to harm you or to hurt you. He wants to wrap his arms around you and just love you like a mother hen loves her chicks. All that is true, but there's more to it than that. Here's the dilemma. Here's the problem. In our quest to feel good, we throw out the baby with the bathwater. Because everything about the Word of God, the Bible says the Word of God is quick and powerful and is able to cut to dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Which means what, Pastor? Explain what does that mean? It's the power of the Word of God that can come to the very root of who you are. And like a surgeon's knife, make a scalpel go right in and cut to the very core of who, of who, you, of who you and I are. But not only cut, the Bible can also heal. Because what man needs to understand is, even man at his best, even though you might think you are all right, and you look at, and I look at myself and go, well, you know, this past week, I really didn't do anything wrong. I, you know, I didn't cuss anybody out. I really didn't, Pastor. I really didn't say any bad words. I mean, I was good. I never thought evil of anybody else. I mean, when I look at who I am this past seven days, I was a pretty good person. I didn't get upset at my kids, Sister Tammy, or grandkids. I didn't get upset at my church members. Well, great, wonderful. But you know what all that is? I keep hearing, I didn't get upset. I didn't get, I, I, I. And what happens is we think of ourselves more highly than we are. Because all of a sudden we think, I did good this past week. Yesterday, I was really a good person. Do you understand and before the day's over, before you walk outside these doors, somebody will say or do something, and guess what? Though you didn't say anything yesterday, you might say something today. You won't get out the double doors to your car, and something will be said or done or whatever, and you'll just lose it. And then you got to go, oh, my God, I didn't believe. It doesn't take much to get us to go off. You know how I know that's true? Because it's true with me, and if it's true with me, I know it's true with you. Because we're all humans. Just let getting ready for Sunday morning not flow the way you want. Okay. I got my routine. I know what time. Yeah, that's a problem. You got a routine. Did you go to bed last night prior to the time you wanted to go to bed? No. Most of us are like, I asked my wife last night, what, this morning, I said, what time did you get to bed? Well, the clock said 1230 or whatever, but it's really 130. I said, okay. And we all did that. I tried to get to bed early, and it was later than I wanted. 
God said, I'm going to get up early. And then, then the earliness arrived, and I went, ooh. Go to the store. Somebody takes your parking space. Get upset. Stand in line. You got a carton of milk. Then you just got one item. And, and you can't understand why somebody doesn't say, excuse me, sir, you only got a carton of milk. Well, just come on up here. I, I got a few more items, but I'll let you. Go. We don't understand why people won't do that. Then we get smart and say, we'll go to the U-Scan. And then you go to the U-Scan, and everybody's got all kinds of groceries. And you're just thinking, you're standing in line going, this is ridiculous. Why don't they bring more people in? The Look at these cash registers nobody's standing on. I mean, it doesn't take much to get us out of what we're supposed to do. It doesn't take much to come into church on a Sunday morning with every mind to praise and worship God. And the rain and the fogginess and the mistiness and all that comes in. And it just like a cloud descends on our spirit. And we're like, oh, this is, yeah, my goodness, you know. It doesn't take much. The devil's not stupid. He says, you know what, I'll let it rain and just watch their spirits. They want to get to church early, they got to church late. They wanted to, you know, they didn't like the songs that were sung. They didn't like the preaching of the word. Whatever it is, he can take us and distract us from where we want to be. That's how easy it is. And what, what God says, listen, listen to me. This is the truth. Whoever hears my word, you got to hear the word of God. Not just the words that come off the preacher's lips, but hear the word. If you heard nothing else I said, here's what you need to know. Honor God. Amen? And realize he's the, he is the God of all judgment. He's going to make the right judgment in your behalf. And in my, as if you and I are a child of his. He's got to. I like that. Whoever hears my word. Believe in him. And believes him who sent me. Has eternal life. Eternal life is more than living forever. Eternal life is a life of a different kind. See, most of us look at eternal life as, oh, I have eternal life. I'll live forever. That is true. The other part of eternal life that you missed out and I missed out on is that it's now life of a different kind. It's life in God. It's life in Christ. He wants to change the way you talk, the way you think, the way you act, every aspect of your life. Young people, you have the opportunity today that many of us who are older did not have. Some of us, I should say, some of us who are older did not have. Why do I say that? Because you have the right now, the opportunity, if you've been listening to the word, if you've been listening to the preaching, if you've been listening to the teaching, to not make the same mistakes that some of us old heads made. You will be held accountable. You're never going to get out of it. Say, so what are you talking about, Pastor? Look, don't, do not do what many of us at older ones. We sat in church, we listened to the preacher, and we did our own thing. And guess what? We paid for doing our own thing. There will be no reason why you get hooked up with somebody that's not a Christian. Absolutely none. Because you were in a church that preached and taught that. Be not unequally yoked. But you're, some, of us, some of you will do that and cry and moan and groan and say, why did this happen to me? It happened to us because we were disobedient to the word. Amen. You have the opportunity, if you're listening to what God says through his word, through the man of God, who is, the, who is your pastor or preacher, teacher, you have the opportunity not to make the same mistakes. You can get it right from get-go. And not have to rewind the clock and go backwards and then try to move forward. Eternal life, life everlasting and life of a different kind. And last but not least, he says, he does not come into judgment, 
that man that believes in him who sent, that has eternal life, does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. What does that mean? You don't worry about death because you understand he who holds death. And you have passed from death, physical death, and spiritual death, but now you have life, eternal life, everlasting life, life of a different kind, life that you could take a hold of and say, I will now live based on what God says from his word and live what Jesus said he had come to give all of us abundant life. That's what he says. He does not, if you believe in him who sent me, you have eternal life. You're not, you do not come to the judgment, the judgment of eternal damnation. Why? Because you believe in Jesus. Whoever. There, when Jesus comes back the second time and every single person in the world will have to face the judgment of Christ. You know what? Two things are going to be true. Two things. One, for all who are here today and believe in Christ, you will hear these words. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few. Now is your opportunity to enter into the joys that I have prepared for you. But if you don't know Jesus, never claim him as your Savior and Lord. The other side of the coin is this. This is what you will hear. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You have the choice to make to which one. Yes, God is sovereign in salvation. Yes, you just don't come to God any way you choose. Yes, he's the one who works out our salvation. But ultimately, he gives you and I the opportunity to say yes to him or no to him. He put Adam and Eve in a perfect situation in the Garden of Eden with one thing they could not do. Eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And the one thing God told them not to do is the one thing they did. And the one thing they did, we've been paying for ever since. Somebody said, well, if I was in the garden, I wouldn't have eaten. Oh, yeah, you would have. Because what, are the, what is the things that God is telling us now in our life today not to do, and we still do it? Who do you think you are? Who do I think I am? That if I was living back then, God gives me a perfect situation. That's why people ask for everything. And I will come to God when this is right. When No, you won't. No, you won't. Because they had everything they would ever need, and they still disobeyed. And you and I, all the excuses that we come up with, why we don't come to Christ, why we don't serve Christ, why we don't do for Jesus, all the things that we have made up, it's the same thing they did back in the garden. I'll serve God. Oh, yeah, right, sure. You ain't serving him now. What are you going to talk about when this is right and when that's right? I'll never be right enough. Just do it. Serve him now while you have the strength and energy to do it. Amen? Beautiful passage of scripture. I'm glad I know Jesus. Aren't you? Do you really know him? I hope you do. But if you don't, this would be a great time to say, you know what? I need to know more about Jesus. I would like to attend your new membership class just to find out what it means to be a member of this church. And we're more than willing to sit down with you, take you through the process. 
and become a part of this church and become, more importantly, become part of the family of God. That's our key. That's our, that's our primary thing. We want people saved. We want people to know Christ. We would love for you to be a part of this church, actively involved. A, as we learned in our book, a functioning church member. And if you're not a functioning church member, then you're not functioning according to the will of God. There is a problem. Your birth has some complications. It's nothing that we can't fix or nothing that you can't get right, but there's a problem with your birth. I bet if I talked to Dr. Wanza, he would say, well, sometimes there are complications in surgery. But hopefully we can correct things. And for some people, there's a problem, there was a problem when you were born. You didn't under, maybe you didn't understand everything you needed to understand. But the Word of God answers every question you and I could ever have. Amen? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you. Oh, Lord, we want to thank you. Can't thank you enough for Jesus Christ. When we look at what he did for a wretched, dirty, filthy, no good people like us. For the word says all of our, quote, righteousness is what? As filthy rags. How many of us got rags in our house that we use for cleaning and dusting and doing some of the dirty jobs? We work on our cars and we get grease all over our hands and we take certain towels or certain shirts or whatever it is and wipe our hands because we don't want to use our good stuff. That's who we were. But oh, we want to thank you that you thought enough of us, that you loved us enough that, Father, you sent your Son, and that the Son loved us enough that he gave his life, that I might one day say, you know what? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, from the bottom of my heart, I want to the depths of my soul, I simply say yes to you. And, Lord, the journey hasn't always been easy. The journey hasn't always been the way I wanted it, but I thank you for the journey. And I don't think I'm alone. I think there's others that know you that will be able to say, like me, I thank you for salvation in Christ. Lord, we want to honor the Father and the Son. We don't be caught doing one or the other, but when we give honor to the Father, the, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are honored. We give honor to the, the Son, the, the, the Father, and the Holy Spirit. They're all three in one. We can't isolate one from the other. Three distinct personalities, but one co-equal, co-eternal God. Oh, thank you. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for salvation. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen.